you know when I walk out here, whoo, you are looking at what we have come to know as championship material. All right, good people. What's going on? How you doing? Episode 269, Talk Buffalo Podcast. Future award-winning Talk Buffalo Podcast. Big thank you, as always, everyone out there for listening, continuing to download, support the show. Really means a lot to me. If you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do that right now. Rate and review, all that fun stuff. Well, it takes a minute to do, and it really, really helps me continue to grow this podcast. Speaking of the podcast, I'm going to have my buddy, recurring guest, Chris Baker. Chris is best known for his work on Sabres and Hockey Prospects. I'll have him on in just a few minutes. Not really talking about hockey today, though. I'm going to talk some Masters, some Buffalo Bills with Chris. In fact, you know what? We're going to play a little fun little pop culture remembrance game with Chris. We're going to highlight a bunch of things that were going on in the world of music and movies and TV, among other stuff. That were popular the last time the Buffalo Bills were 7-2. That's where they are right now. Which, by the way, that was right around this time back in 1993. So, good stuff with Chris. I had that for you in just a minute. Quickly, and you know what? Shame on me because I was such a big fan. I neglected to recognize on Tuesday's podcast the recent passing of Alex Trebek. An icon in the world of television and pop culture. Like many of you, I'm sure, out there uh, having Jeopardy on the television set weeknight, 7.30 p.m. before Primetime Network started. It was a big concert in my life growing up and as an adult as well. You know, I'd hope every night when I watch it that there'd be a sports category that would be on or at least some kind of pop culture category where I'd have a, a fighting chance to do well. Jeopardy had a way of kind of humbling you when you you thought you were too smart. You know, it would humble you real quick. And occasionally, though, you know, I got to show off in front of other people if the right category came on. But anyway, I love Jeopardy, man. I do. I loved Alex Trebek. To me, he was one of those larger-than-life guys. And Jeopardy, without question to me anyway, is on the Mount Rushmore of the all-time great TV game shows. I'd probably say Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune, Family Feud. Maybe Price is Right. That would probably be the fourth. Uh, yeah. But anyway, you know, 37 years, man. 37 seasons. Dating all the way back to 1984. Alex Trebek goes to Jeopardy. It takes me back. It takes me way back. Anyway, like so much in 2020 that sucked for sure. You know, this sucks too. So ugh. I'll tell you what doesn't suck though. And that is the never ending generosity of Bill's Mafia. It's just it's unbelievable, man. It really is. You know, so as many of you out there already know, Josh Allen's grandmother died last week. And not long after the game on Sunday when the Bills beat Seattle, Josh Allen revealed that he revealed it publicly about his grandmother passing. And someone, I don't know who it is, to be honest with you, I probably should have looked it up before I started gabbing here, but somebody came up with an idea to solicit $17 donations course, says Josh Allen's number and the solicited those donations and sent it to Children's Hospital in memory of his, his grandmother, which is a cool idea. I think that started sometime late Sunday, maybe early Monday. Again, I don't know. Should have did the research. But anyway, so on Monday, I was taping this podcast with Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings, and we did it somewhere around dinner-ish. 
time on Monday. And I'll tell you what, by the time we were done recording, that number was already up to like 150 grand. Just crazy. So now, you know, today is Thursday. I'm talking into this microphone around midday or so. And it's up to over, I'm looking now, over $350,000. $350,000 and growing. <laughs> you know, there's not a better sports fan base out there anywhere than Bill's Mafia. And I'll tell you, I'm not saying that shit to pander. I'm not kissing anyone's ass. I'm just being like, for real, for real. Nobody steps up to the plate like Bill's Mafia does. It's incredible. If you don't think that matters, by the way, you're wrong. It's not just the generosity. It's not just the money. If you don't think that acts like this resonate in that Bill's locker room, you're wrong. If you don't think this is genuinely touched Josh Allen's heart, you're wrong. Uh, if you don't think things like this matter, when like that brotherhood, that fraternity of NFL players, they're out there selling the organization, selling the town, selling the fans to potential free agents. If you don't think that matters, and you're wrong. I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm amazed by it all. Bill's Mafia, not just a cool catchphrase. I know it's a catchphrase and it's a cool one, but it's just so much more than that. It's family. Bill's Mafia is like a family. It really is. And again, I'm not pandering. I'm just, I'm blown away, man. So, wow. But anyway, like I said, I got Chris Baker coming on. Chris is a huge golf nut. I know he's best known for hockey, but Chris is a big, big golf fan. And this is Masters Week. So weird to say that. <laughs> Middle of November, Masters Week. Instead of Easter week. But you know what? It is what it is. Uh, we'll spend some time with some Buffalo Bills talk. And, uh, you know, like I said, we'll turn into some fun pop culture references. Tie that in together. Maybe we'll talk Sabres for a few. Who the hell knows? But anyway, here it is. My chat with one of my favorite people out there. My buddy, Chris Baker. All right, I'm joined right now by recurring guest, my buddy, Chris Baker. And you know what's funny, Chris? I, I can't stop thinking about this. I'm talking to you right now, and it's the middle of November. Typically, if I had you on this podcast around this time of year, we would be talking Sabres. It'd be about maybe a month or so into the regular season, somewhere around that anyway. And today is the, what, November 11th, we're taping this Thursday night. You quite literally our book and tea times before you jump on with me. And we both spent a good chunk of our Thursday morning and afternoon watching the first round of the masters. It just blows my mind how crazy it is right now. Ain't it? Bizarro world. Absolute bizarro world. So yeah, I mean, it's everything's upside down right now. It's kind of cool to have a different look at life. <laughs> not the not the life that we're all obviously dealing with on a day to day basis with this virus stuff. But I mean, I'm, I'm up for change every now and then. But at the same time, you know, I wouldn't mind getting the Masters back in April. And um, you know, the, I'll tell you what, Pat, the golf in November thing though, I'm totally down with. Yeah. What about the like we're again we're watching Augusta. Maybe it's not that big of a deal to some people. Some maybe it is, but. 
I've heard a lot of the golfers talk about it, just looking at the course with no fans. Yeah, I mean, I know we talked about this a couple months ago because we always tend to talk a little bit of golf when I get you on the show, but it's just, I don't know. It's just uh, maybe it's kicked in a little bit more for me because it is the Masters as opposed to just another tournament. It's a little bit weird for me not seeing any fans. How about you? No, it's definitely weird, especially at Augusta, you know, such a storied place. And, you know, it was funny, you know, you got up in the morning and, you know, I have ESPN plus, I popped it on, they were supposed to tee off around 730 and they had a rain delay, you know, but I was sitting there still enjoying looking at the still shots of the course, you know, like they had a camera fixated on 12 and race Creek was rumbling in front of the green. I was just sitting there staring at it, (laughs) you know, um, it's definitely weird, but I mean, here's the thing, you know, it's been raining, soft course. Bryson still averaged 334 off the tee yeah. today. Like, what would he have averaged if there was roll in those fairways today, you know? And, and think about that. Like, so, you know, you're asking about the fans. The fans provide a lot of energy to these players. Sure. What, you know, and with Bryson all juiced up by the fan energy, he probably would have, he probably would average 345, 350 today, you know, in the same condition. So it's definitely unique. I've, I've come to really enjoy just watching the game for what it is, watching these guys hit golf shots, but you definitely miss the roar of the fans. Like they played last week in Houston and there were fans on the course and it was like, Oh man, you know, you heard a little roar after the shots and you're like, Oh, that's right. That's how it used to be. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're back to square one with no fans again in Augusta, but it was still a very good day at golf. Some good scores posted out there uh, with Paul Casey at the top of the leaderboard. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, obviously the big story for day one anyway is Tiger Woods shooting a four under, won it last year. It's the Masters and he's right in it. I know that's definitely going to draw interest in TV ratings. Now, for somebody like yourself, who's just a big golf fan, you'll watch a tournament at it doesn't really matter if it's Matthew Wolf atop the leaderboard or if it's Tiger Woods or, or Phil Mickelson. You know what I'm saying? You're going to be locked in regardless. But from a television point of view or just an overall casual fan interest, I mean, again, the first round didn't even get completed. It got called because of darkness. But again, you got Tiger Woods right there at four under. Justin Thomas was five under through 10 holes. Uh, Dustin Johnson's three under through nine. Shaping up to be a really good leaderboard. Even Phil Mickelson through 11 is one under. So, you know, again, it's for the casual fan, if nothing else, just having some of these guys at least looking like after one day of golf, long way to go. But it makes for a much more interesting weekend in Augusta than, uh, you know, if it was a bunch of no names atop the leaderboard, which again, it is November. So that's uh, weird enough. Now you playing golf you're playing this weekend, right? I mean, you got to be all the shittiness going on in this world. It's pretty nice little perk with the weather going on in Western New York that you're still able to to get out there and hit a couple balls. No, it's really cool. I mean, we've been playing pretty much every day, every weekend. Um, You know, and I, you know, with, you know, I have a lot of vacation time, you know, my job, I've been with the company 16 years. So I have like, gosh, like five weeks of vacation. You know, I took every Friday off in May, June and July. You know, and then, mm-hmm. you know, and then taking full weeks off wrapped around the federal holidays. I got a lot of golf in this year. I never imagined I'd be golfing. Like my goal right now is to still try to get out Thanksgiving week. You know, so I think, you know, like up here, Burncliff or maybe Terry Hills out in, in Batavia, they usually stay open late. I'm hoping, but man, at the same time, looking at the weather forecast, you know, that's the thing when you're golfing and like you're just hooked on it. You're always looking at the 10 day forecast. And I don't know, man, if that whole thanksgiving week thing's gonna fly right now i I think we're gonna get a little snow up here so 
I think the gig's going to end soon, but um, no, I'm eating it up, man, as much as I can. And, you know, the thing about Tiger, by the way, I think you're right on the money. Um, I So I had like 46 DFS lineups put in this week. Like, you know, <laughs> so, and here's the thing. I faded Tiger completely across the board because, you know, just looking at it, I was thinking, okay, going to be a little wet. Course is going to play longer. He's not really long anymore. Like he was, right. you know, in the field, there's like, I think 91 golfers in the field. He was 53, ranked 53rd in driving distance coming in in his last 50 rounds. I was like, all right, man, even though he's defending champ, he always shows up for the Masters. I completely faded him. So with that said, while I'm excited to watch him play, you know, he, he was bogey free today. I wouldn't mind if he kind of, you know, dumps a few in the water, you know, the next couple of days. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. But I, you know, I do like Tiger, but for betting purposes, he can definitely get the hell out of the way in the next three days. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll tell you what, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on today is because we're, I'm a little bit older than you, but roughly we're at least from the same era. Let's put it that way. Okay. And I want to turn my attention a little bit here to the Buffalo Bills and then being seven and two right now after nine games. And that's the first time that that's happened going all the way back to November 15th, 1993. So it's been a long time and I wanted to have a little bit of fun with you, a little bit of an exercise here. I did the research because I'm very meticulous. I work very hard, Chris. And I came up with um, some listings of things that were like on top of the pop culture world at that time. I got to want to test your memory a little bit and uh, see how well you remember some of the stuff that was going on. Again, this is going all the way back to mid-November 1993, which was the last time the Buffalo Bills were 7-2. So I got some stuff written down here. Um, okay, wait, before, <laughs> before you get into that, Pat, so real quick, I want to put myself in November of 1993, just real quick. I want to level set. So senior okay. in high school, I was a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, re- I was about, so in December 8th of 93, I started at record theater. So you remember that date? Yeah. Because December 7th, it was a day after, um, there was a show at UB that we went to. It was funk dubious, seven year bitch rage against the machine and Cypress Hill. <laughs> and I remember wow. that cause I still have the stub. So that was December 7th, 93. I started the day after that, but yeah, so I was senior in high school. I was definitely into music watching TV. We'll see how I do with, uh, at least remembering or, you know, recollection here of of the things you bring up right now. Well, I'll tell you this, you have a much more eclectic taste in music. Like you like a lot more things where I'm more pop and mainstream, which is pretty corny, but that's just the way it is. But anyway, beyond music, just stuff going on in the world in pop culture. I'm sure you remember this. Remember Joey Buttafuoco? Oh, hell yeah. And the statutory rate, he was sentenced on this date when the last time the Bills were 72, he got sentenced to six months in jail for the statutory rape of Amy Fisher. And what Amy I remember Fisher. most about that, do you remember there were like 10,000 like Amy Fisher made for TV movies that came out during that time span. I remember Drew Barrymore was the lead in the Amy Fisher story. But Long Island uh, Lolita. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, then I don't even got to ask you. So you remember that shit pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> um top movies. All right. So here were some of the top movies. I don't know which one of these you may have seen, which again, this is when the bills were last seven and two, um, Adam's family values. Oh my God. Okay. Carly Carlito's way. Yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire was just getting ready to be released. It came out a couple days after November 15th. So that movie was just getting ready to come out. And the number 
Actually, it was a number two movie, which is appropriately titled Look Who's Talking To, the sequel with John Travolta. I'm sure you remember that, right? Kirstie Alley, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Here was a number one movie, and I'm going to be honest with you, without cheating here, I don't remember this. It was The Three Musketeers, and it starred Charlie Sheen, Kiefer Sullivan, Chris O'Donnell, Oliver Pratt, I'm looking right now, and Rebecca DeMornay. Do you remember that movie? I don't even remember that. That was number one, too, at the time. So ironically, a lot of my movie memories will come out to the soundtracks, the movies, hmm. just because of being in the record retail business for so long. I remember it only because of that. I can't tell you a damn thing about the movie. Um, you know, Carlito's Way, I remember the soundtrack for that. Um, yeah. I don't recall. Wow. You so, so you're saying The Three Musketeers, Charlie Sheen? I mean, I remember, yeah. I can picture the cover of the soundtrack, but... My, my immediate response to this chat so far is that, holy shit, we're old. <laughs> and I got you by a few years. So yeah, you said you were a senior in high school. I'm thinking back in 93. I was I was out of school for three, three and a half years, maybe something wow. like that. So yeah, got you by a little bit. But yeah, those were the movies. Honestly, not a really good time for movies. So none of those movies really stood out to me as um, movies that I really liked a lot. I mean, I liked the first, Look Who's Talking. I don't remember the <laughs> sequel that well. but uh. It's not a TV. It was like a baby that talked or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I just remember John Travolta was in the movie. I know that. And Chrissy Alley, like you said. I don't remember who else. But yeah, those were the big movies at the time. Um, TV. These TV shows were debuting during this time, November sweeps, in the fall of 1993. <laughs> the Nanny. The Nanny. Um, Boy Meets World, which I didn't watch then, but I did watch... Many years later, I don't don't ask me why, but I did. Um, the X Files. Did you watch the X Files? I never did. That was such a popular show, but I never watched it. When I moved, so I went down to college a couple years after University of Maryland, and my roommates were all about the X Files, uh, Scully, and whatever the other dude, Dave. Duc but no, I did not watch Mulder. Mulder, no, yeah, Agent Mulder, yeah. I mean, I I got sucked into it by just being there, but no, I never really watched it. And the two TV shows that went on to be big successes that debuted right around that time, which the first one, I, I'm, I'm going to admit this, I didn't watch. It was uh, NYPD Blue. Oh, that yeah. was just coming out. And uh, Frasier. Frasier oh, was man. just coming out in the okay. fall. Okay. So now you're speaking my language because I like Frasier. And, you know, I'm a Cheers guy. You know, I think Me Cheers too. is the greatest sitcom of all time. I mean, you can argue about Seinfeld. I get that. But, man, Cheers, like, untouchable. So, obviously, a natural connection there with Frasier. I want to go back to the nanny, though, for a second. Mm -hmm. What was – so, I, I vaguely recall – wasn't that one the, the lead was the gal with the really annoying voice? Yes. Um, what was her name? Fran, can, Fran, Fran Dressler. Fran Drescher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So – that's another show that I didn't watch, but I, but I remember her. And I think she was the reason why I probably didn't watch it. <laughs> when you were growing up now, I know obviously you were in the music. Like I said, you even worked at record theater. Did you watch a lot of TV growing up? Thursday nights, man. So you want to yeah. talk about, you know, like, what was it? Um, Cosby family ties. Cheers was on a nine night court. Okay. So like uh buddy is the bars. We were sitting in his driver one night, having beers, doing whatever. And we did a sitcom draft. And I think like a lot of those shows that I took in the sitcom draft around those, that Thursday night run, I want to say family ties might've been part of that too. Maybe that was a little, it earlier. was. Yeah. Okay, no, it so, was. Yeah. But like night court, you want to talk about underrated. What a great show mm -hmm. night court was. Yeah. 
It was. And I, at some point, ER came on at 10 o'clock. I'm not sure how early in that block it, it started, but night or ER was on at 10 o'clock on Thursday nights as well. At some point, I got to ER tell you this. Elsewhere. St. Elsewhere might have been. Yeah. No, I think that, I don't, maybe it could have been Wednesday. I'm not sure. I don't remember 100%. Wow. But you want to hear something that's, uh, well, it's semi embarrassing. Now, I know all these shows you're talking about. I was an absolute TV nut, but the one show, for whatever reason, I didn't really get into when I was a kid was Cheers. That's and nuts, man. Okay. It is. And it wasn't until I started talking to, uh, I want to say it was Jeff Boyd just a couple of years ago on this podcast. He's part of the 716 Sports podcast. And we would talk TV shows sometimes. And I ended up binge watching Cheers. I watched it from beginning to end. And the only part of it that's hard to watch nowadays, if you're watching something for the first time, is that's obviously way more dated. You know what I mean? It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not conducive to this time period. Funny things like, you know, people would laugh in like Carla walking by and somebody slapping her in her ass. Back in on chairs, that was kind of funny. Nowadays, that's a lawsuit. And you know what I mean? You're probably going to jail yeah. getting can't, and you're getting canceled. But anyway, my point being is that I agree with you. When you said that was the greatest comedy sitcom of all time, I actually agree with you. I didn't get to experience it weekly as a kid. But after binge watching it, I agree, man. In fact, if I had a Mount Rushmore TV shows, that's flirting right there. It's right on the edge of being on there, man. And dude, the Great transition, show. even like, you know, Coach was, you know, first couple of years and he dies. Ernie Pantuzo, right? I think that was his name on there. And then mm-hmm. and then Woody comes along. Yep. And it was just like such a great transition into one of the greatest characters in sitcom too. Woody was awesome on there, you know? And, yeah. Oh, man. Good memory. Like, I, I haven't watched an episode of Cheers in probably, uh, man, 10, 15 years. And just talking to you right now, it's kind of getting the bug, man. Well, you know, what's funny, dude, is a lot of these shows that are so popular, I don't know why, I can't explain why I didn't watch them, but I'm watching a lot of shows for the first time over the last few years that have been popular for years and years. Like I just watched Seinfeld from start to finish. I saw a couple of episodes here and there, but same deal as Cheers. I just watched that for the first time from start to end not too long ago. I'm currently binge watching The West Wing, which was on in the early 2000s for seven seasons that I didn't watch at the time. But anyway, I want to run down these top 10 shows from that era. Again, where where the Bills were last uh, 72 back in November of 93. So number 10 TV show was Murphy Brown, which I did not watch. Mm -hmm, I don't know about you. Um, Number nine that week, I'm looking here. This was actually not a TV show, but the Sunday night movie that was on ABC, Dancing with Wolves. Very popular Kevin Costner Kevin movie. Costner, yeah. Another great yeah. soundtrack. Again, my, my point of yeah. reference is always going to be the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, do you, if, do you remember growing up too? They used to have TV movies on a lot on the networks. They really don't do that much anymore. Um, n- number Here's the funniest part about this list. Dude, so number eight was Monday Night Football. I'm sure you remember back in the day when we were kids. Monday Night Football was huge. The ratings oh, were yeah. huge. It was, a, it was a big deal. Well, guess what the game was? The Bills. They played the Steelers back on November 15th, 1993, and Pittsburgh won that game 23-0. The Bills were actually 7-1 coming into that game. Then they lost, so they ended up 7-2, like I said, on that date. But yeah, they got their asses kicked by the Steelers 23-0. Neil O'Donnell had the hot hand, carved up the Bills. Yeah, and you know, I pride myself, especially in the 80s and 90s, of remembering so much about football. Some dude from the Steelers named Leroy Thompson ran for 108 yards on the Bills on Monday Night Football. It's always a random running back for the Steelers just kicking the Bills' ass. And yeah, yeah. Remember the like Willie Willie... Parker game, right? Yeah. Like before he was, you know, before he was Willie Parker. And then, yeah. uh, but that game, though, so you said they were shut out. 
Neil O'Donnell. What? God, there's another one. But um, I think he took over probably from like Bubby Brister, who was one of the greatest quarterback names of all time. But yeah, I, I like probably what Kevin Green. How many sacks did he have that game? Have you looked up the stats in that game? Not to get too far off, but I, was he had to be playing then? I didn't look up the defensive stats, but Neil O'Donnell threw for 212 yards and a touchdown. Jim Kelly was only seven of 19 for 93 yards that game. Thurman Thomas and he only ran for 40 yards on 13 carries. So yeah, the Bills were seven and one coming in that game. They got their asses whooped on Monday Night Football. Number University seven, Neil O'Donnell, by the way. But yeah, go yeah. ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Number seven, Coach. Remember hey. Coach? And you said yes. Coach from Cheers. That's not the Coach from Cheers. You know what show I'm talking yes, about. But that was numbers. Yeah, sure, Dauber. Craig T. Nelson wasn't that his name? Yeah, the actor. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Another good show. Uh, yeah, yeah. Luther, that was Luther good. and Dauber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what else we got here? Number six. Grace Under Fire. I don't remember that much. Yeah, rings a bell, but probably yeah, it was yeah. short-lived. Yeah. Um, number five, we already discussed Frazier. So Frazier right away, immediately uh, caught on quick. A lot of these shows like Chairs that went on to become iconic shows, Seinfeld, it did really shitty early on in the ratings, and then they became hits. But Frazier right off the bat. I mean, it, of course, it had all the momentum from Cheers. Mm-hmm. Uh, number four, what's your take on this show? Give me a quick one if you ever watch it. Roseanne. I never liked that show. I thought it was overrated, but it was always so popular. But anyway, it was Roseanne number four. Yeah, Roseanne was okay. I mean, mm. you know, it was okay. But I mean, did I sit down? Was it a point in television for me like Cheers was? No, not even close. Right. Yeah. I yeah. I, I just said I didn't care for it that much. Uh, number three was Seinfeld. So that yeah, was, again, still a very popular time for Thursday night um, NBC. Yeah. Uh, number two, 60 Minutes, which... It's still popular, but again, you remember being much younger. That was like a big, big deal, 60 Minutes. Morally safer. Were, yeah. Yeah, but before there were 10,000 other, you know, news magazine TV shows. Um, Number one show back in late 1993, which again, I, I kind of a Roseanne to me, Home Improvement. Did you watch that show with Tim Allen? No, you know, the ABC shows I never could really get into. So. Yeah. If it was on and, you know, I, I stopped on the channel for whatever reason, I'd watch it. But no, it was another one. Like, there was no real storyline that I could follow. I just remember, like, that Jonathan Taylor Thomas kid. Like, all the girls thought he was the shit. And I was like, <laughs> no, he's not. He's a dork, you know. And Because, like, you know, I was kind of, you know, 17, 18 years old. You know, I wasn't going to let a yeah. girl talk about Jonathan Taylor Thomas, you know. But, um, no, I was never really into that show either. But, I mean, yeah, hell of a run. I mean. I'll that, tell you. Yeah. Yeah. I was the same way about you with ABC shows, except for when I was really young. And I mean, real young. I liked like Happy Days was on ABC and Three's Company was on ABC. I loved those shows. Laverne and Shirley was on. Yeah. In fact, you know how we talk about Thursday must see TV. I remember being very young. And again, I mean, really young. But Tuesday night ABC, that's when you had that block of it, it was like Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, Three's Company. And maybe I think Benson was on. I think that was the four show after. <laughs> Soap so, so might have been on it. Yeah, I remember that show. I watched it actually. I didn't watch it when it first aired, but I did watch it in reruns. The same thing the with fact. like Who's the Boss, right? That was another ABC, yeah. ABC show. And like yep. the, the, the lady from Soap, though, what was it like Sophia or something like that? I can't remember what her name was on that show, but she was like the only reason why I would watch Who's the Boss. It wasn't Alyssa Milano, believe it or not. I know she was really, anything, but you know, but going she back was- to Roseanne, the older sister. The blonde girl. I can't remember her name on that show. If I had watched that show, that would have been the reason. 
<laughs> yeah. Now that was an ABC show too. And uh, actually, I remember. And again, getting off topic here a little bit, but Saturday nights when I was a kid too was good ABC TV because you had the Love Boat and Fantasy Island, which sadly, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna confess to watching that again when I was a really young kid. But honestly, I'm looking at this list right now. So I ran off movies to you, and I ran off some TV shows. And I think the theme that I'm coming up with here is pop culture kind of sucked. Last time the Bills were seven and two, like a lot of these shows, except for like Frasier and, and Seinfeld, when it comes on the TV side, don't really move the needle much for me, man. You know, it's weird because it, I think you're right. And to kind of bring it back over to music too, you know, music was like, you know, rock was kind of in limbo a little bit. I think that, you know, like grunge was just kind of starting to happen. I want to say maybe like right around that time. And it was starting to get some legs, but like, I remember like the early nineties, just music was kind of in limbo. You're coming out of like, you know, the eighties and the synth, and then it went into like, you know, hair metal and all that stuff for a while. And then like that kind of died out. And like, I think the time period that we're talking about is kind of, I want to say grunge was, I think actually in play in 93. Do you have the, do you have the, the list? Yeah, there? I got, well, I have the billboard. Here's the thing. So I got the billboard top 10 list from November 15th, 1993. And I don't know if grunge was in play yet. But if it was, it wasn't mainstream popular yeah. yet. You know what I mean? It was popular for alternative rock music fans. But in terms of the mainstream, the buying public, Billboard, it wasn't. I'm going to run down this top 10 list. And this is going to cement the fact <laughs> what I just told you. Pop culture, the theme of this episode today is going to be pop culture kind of sucked the last <laughs> time the Bills were 72. Here's the top 10. So number 10 was Breathe Again by Tony Braxton. I actually like that song and I like Tony Braxton. She was yeah, you like that man. shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. I said, I said, I know Chris Baker ain't going to like this shit. Um, number nine, number nine. <laughs> Whoop, there it is. I mean, seriously, that was number nine. You still hear that at sports team, uh, arenas right? all the time. Yeah, tag team. That was nine. Number eight was the first of actually back-to-back songs from crazy-ass Mariah Carey. Dream Lover was eight. And Hero was seven. Jeez. So you got those. Yeah, these songs are not very good, man. Number six, eh, Brian Adams, please forgive me. I kind of like Brian Adams, man. I think he's a little bit overlooked when you talk about the love rock ballad, good rock singers of that time period. I like Brian Adams. I don't have a problem with Brian Adams. Yeah, I don't have a problem yeah. with Brian Adams. I don't have a problem with his little sappy song that was on that Robin Hood soundtrack also. I don't have a problem with any of that. Yeah. Uh, number five, another popular song, but I really didn't care for it. Shoop by Salt and Peppa. That's a very popular song anyway. Yeah, yeah, uh, Jesus Christ here. This it's is not push it, but it was okay, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Number four is a song, and I have listened to this, Gangsta Lean by DRS. It was a rap song that was sung like a love song. Yeah. Really stupid. <laughs> really dumb. If it wasn't for the fact that I'd be worried about getting sued by some algorithm picking it up i would play it on this show right now but it was pretty that was a favorite of the uh used cd section at record theater (laughs) and i went in probably in uh, december of 1993 (laughs) number three all that she wants by ace of bass all that she wants you remember that song oh yeah sign that record that record actually sold a ton too the sign yeah yeah that was a big one number two was a slow song from Janet Jackson. Again, I sort of remember that. The reason why I remember that is because my wife likes that song. It's probably the only reason why I would remember that. Not one of her most popular or most memorable songs, I should say. And here's the number one song. And I could probably have an entire episode with you. Maybe someday I will about our most overrated songs ever. 
For me, this is contender for near to top. I would do anything for love by Meatloaf. That oh, was number yeah. one. Yeah. I hate that song so much. Get Out of Hell 2, I think, was the record that that was on. He was just living off fumes of the 70s, but he had that resurgence. And yeah, I agree with you. Um, that was oh, it definitely overrated. Also extremely popular. So that's the pop chart. It's got to be. And I wonder if, you know, not, I'm not going to ask you to do this, but I mean, we should probably reference the rock chart because I think, you know, we're talking about grunge and like the frame of reference. It was definitely earlier than 93. Like I was thinking Pearl Jam. I was probably in like 10th grade. I remember when that came out. So I think grunge was probably happening and MTV was on it. But to your point, it wasn't, you didn't get the crossover with grunge and some of the rock that was emerging at that time. But man, tag team. I'm still talking. I'm still like, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I'll, I'll, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm looking right now at a site called Tooncaster that's got the 90, 1993 rock top on your songs of the year. And again, some of these came out. I'm trying to keep in consistency with the Bills being seven and two. But Daughter by Pearl Jam was number one. Yeah, so that was on um, Versus. Yeah, so that was yeah. yeah. So they're up there. Uh, December 19, Down in a Hole by Alice in Chains. Yeah, um, so they had Tom footing. Pe- yeah, Tom. Well, this isn't alternative so much, but Tom Petty, uh, Mary Jane's Last Dance. That was November of '93 as well. Uh, yeah, there was language. definitely a few. It it just wasn't selling mainstream maybe yet in terms of uh of, of popular records. But anyway, before I get you out of here, so we're talking about things that have happened the last time the Bills were seven and two. Right now, the Bills are seven and two. What I wanted to ask you was. Are you sold on the Bills being a very good team? Because when you're seven and two, your record's very good. Are you at the point where you're sold enough on this football team where regardless, and I know they've played the Chiefs and didn't look so good. They did look really good against Seattle. But when this team steps on the field any Sunday, what what should like your level of confidence that they can not only just compete, but they can beat anybody. Well, like where are you at right now? How sold are you on this team? I think that that, you know, Josh Allen has really good command of his ball right now. Um, I love how he's spreading it around. I think that offense, we talked about it after week two, Pat, when you and I were together going into the Rams game. And the excitement was there that you felt that if they needed to march down the field and get a score, that they could do it. And that's kind of where I'm at again. Now, did that wane a little bit in recent weeks? It did. Did they bring me back by putting up the most points on a Pete Carroll defense since Pete Carroll's been in Seattle? saw that stat today. I couldn't believe it. That was the most points allowed by the, the Seahawks since Pete Carroll's been there. So for them yeah. to do that, you know, and that's, you know, listen, I understand that everyone's throwing on them right now on the Seahawks, but I have a lot of faith in Josh Allen right now. Um, I think that when they have to run the ball, I think they'll be able to. They didn't have to last week against Seattle. Be interesting to see if they change it up a little bit. But here, here's the thing where I'm at. So I do have confidence in them. I do have faith in them. I'm nervous about the Dolphins. Yeah. I think they're a good team. I think Tua is real. Yeah. And they're not built for this year. They're built for next year. But like they're, do you remember back in 2017 and the Bills made the playoffs? But it's like, it's not that they weren't trying to make the playoffs, but they weren't really built to make the playoffs in 2017. They were starting the foundation of getting rid of some players and they were building towards their future. And everything just happened to work out for them. I kind of feel like that's the way it is with Miami because. I think Tua is going to be a great quarterback. But right now, today, if my life depended on the Miami Dolphins winning a football game on Sunday, and it was literally life or death, 
I'd want Ryan Fitzpatrick to be my quarterback for that day over Tua today. Now, I think Tua is going to be a way better quarterback. But the fact that they pulled Ryan Fitzpatrick after a couple wins where he played really good tells you that they're committed to the young kid. Not so much even now, but about the future. They got a bunch of guys on defense that, not a bunch of big names, but yeah, they're playing really good. I mean, I watched that entire game last week when they went into Arizona, who the Bills play this week, and they beat them. Now, Arizona made some mistakes. They probably should have won the game. But the fact that, you know, Miami was in it, and they're, what are they, 5-3 and three right now? And I looked at their schedule. I don't have it in front of me, but I know they got the next four games, their favorite, to win all four. There's a good chance to going into the last month. Miami might be freaking 9-3, and three, dude. So I nervous, agree 100%. Just a little nervous about it. I mean, am I, am I overly concerned about the Dolphins? No. Are they definitely worth keeping an eye on? Absolutely. And Sure. But, you know, coming into the season, I think there were a couple themes. Like you wanted, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that they kept Stephon Diggs happy. I think he's averaging about 10 targets a week now. I think he's leading the league in targets, I want to say. I think I heard Josh Allen say that. Um, that's yeah. encouraging. Having a tight end that is a viable red zone target. Well, coming into the season, you thought maybe it would be Dawson Knox. It's Tyler Croft, I think. And, you know, so to see him catching balls, I think he's got three touchdowns. Uh, I'm bringing it up here. Yeah, Tyler Croft has three touchdowns. That's encouraging. You know, because, sure. again, you know, Croft came, free agent signing, got well, I think he had a foot injury, didn't really see him much. And, you know, he's coming back, he's emerging. I like seeing things like that. Definitely moving in the right direction. So it's almost like where I'm at now is where I was coming out of week two, even though I, was, I had – I was guarded. It was cautious optimism because coming off the Jets and the Dolphins the first two weeks, you're like, okay, I get it. Uh, my confidence waned. If you would ask me this question two weeks ago, I said, eh, I'm not so sure. After seeing Josh Allen kind of run that offense last week, I feel pretty good about their prospects moving forward. Yeah. And I got to be honest with you. And again, I'm being, I'm not a homer whatsoever, but Josh Allen played on an MEP level the first month of the year, worked himself into the conversation. Then I think he kind of worked himself out of the conversation with a couple of, I don't want to say stinkers, but he didn't play that good. But now he's, you know, his last couple of games, he's been really good again. And, and again, I know Seattle's pass defense is not good, but he put up the numbers. And, you know, we're now, it's not early in the season anymore, Chris. We're past the halfway point. We're nine weeks in. And I think Josh Allen deservedly so is probably in that top four to six mix right now of NFL MVP candidates. I agree with that. I do. And, you know, I was a little bit of a skeptic. I was like, all right, everybody calm down. It's two weeks, you know, but now here you are going into week 10 and this is going to tell a good story. I love this QB matchup this week against Arizona. And yeah, I think this, this, this is, is going to be fun. I think it's going to tell another story. Um, you had mentioned, oh man, there was something that you mentioned and I just, I just lost my train of thought, but um, no, you know, I'm, I'm all about it, man, right now with the bills offense and, um, Allen, I, I do think that he can work his way into MVP candidate, though. Um, oh, you know what it was, Pat? I wanted to ask you the question. It seemed like the offense stalled a little bit in those middle weeks there, like four, five, six, when he wasn't running the ball as much. And it seems like they pulled back. I don't know if it was fumbles or the shoulder injury, right? He was he had a shoulder issue, right? Opposite not right. shoulder. Do you, do you think that led to the play calling change to kind of keep him in the pocket a little bit more and not run it so much? Because I really liked it when he was running it, even though there was risk with it. Yeah, I, I think that might have a little, it has, certainly has something. It's not nothing. I think it definitely has something to do with it. They don't want to see him get injured. I, I think they've kind of dialed back the um, the design runs for him. So I, I definitely think that plays a factor. Some of the factor, frankly, is that, you know, they also played better teams. 
at some point. You know, at Tennessee, that was a tough game. The Chiefs, I mean, the Chiefs just took, it's not that Josh Allen played so bad. It's that he wasn't on the field that much, man. You know, they, uh, Kansas City just dominated the line of scrimmage and, and controlled the game in the trenches. Yeah. No. And then the Jets game, nobody, I mean, they, they moved the ball fine. They just couldn't get in the end zone. And, and you know, some you know, of that was on Josh. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I want to see him be able to run a little bit more, I guess, moving forward as long as he can hold on to it. And the only other thing I want to say about the Seattle game was um, Tredavious White is great, right? But, oh, my God, watching him on DK Metcalf. I mean, yeah. DK Metcalf clearly just almost like was scouting just too cute. Too, too much emphasis on his cone drills at the combine or what the deal was. Like, he was first-round talent, clearly. And I just remember on draft day when they called him, he was crying, like, what took you so long? And he is making that pick worth it. What a monster. And I, I remember asking you, Pat, the last time we talked after week two, I was like, do you think that John Brown and Stephon Diggs are right up there in comparison with Lockett and Metcalf? And I still think it's a question worth thinking about. But a buddy of mine listening to the podcast, he's like, I can't believe you asked Pat that question. He's like, Brown and Diggs are so much better. I was like, are you sure? And then I watched it again, like watching DK Metcalf, like he's really come of age the last four weeks. That guy's he's a monster. Incredible. And that he's whole incredible. thing with the combine, it's like it reminds me of Kenny Powers, right? It's like, watch the guys on the field. Kenny Powers, I don't, I play real sports. I'm not trying to be the best at exercising, right? It's like, <laughs> so it's like yeah. everyone's like putting so much emphasis on the combine. It just goes to show you how much like horseshit is in the combine. You know, the players matter, but like the exercises, I don't know. Yeah, it's like, I, yeah, I play real sports, not trying to be the best at exercise. And that's all I think about when I see DK Metcalf. Dude, D- DK Metcalf was the ninth wide receiver taken in the draft last year. Ninth! Eight <laughs> receivers great. went against him. Marquise Brown, Nikhil Harry, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, who is good in fairness to him. McCall Hardman, J.J. Arcega, Whiteside, Paris Campbell, Andy Isabella. All those dudes got drafted before... DK Metcalf last year and the bills passed on him twice, which I mean, in fairness, they really needed a tackle and Cody Ford looks like he's going to be a good one. So I'm not going to hate on the bills for doing that. Everything worked out fine with the bills at wide receiver, but yeah, DK Metcalf, just another, he's on another level, man. That guy, he might end up becoming, I mean, he's in a great situation too, where he's got a lot of other weapons. So you can't pay too much attention to him. And he's got an unbelievable MVP caliber quarterback to help him. But yeah, I think, when it's all said and done, DK Metcalf's right there, or at least close to being right there with like Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams among the best receivers uh, in the NFL for sure. Before I let you go, Chris, I was going to say, before I let you go, I want to make sure I don't forget this. You're doing a show with my boy, Chad D. Domenesis, and I don't know a lot about it. So tell people listening after they're listening to this podcast, I want them to go check that out too. So what exactly are you doing with him? So people can go check that out. Yeah, so Chad and Anthony from Die by the Blade, they started their own site through Patreon. Um, it's called Expected Buffalo. And, um, you know, so he has a series of subscriber-only events coming up uh, where if, if you have access through the Patreon site, where he's doing live Q&As. Um, he had Joe Yurdon with the first one last week, formerly of The Athletic. He's having me mm-hmm. on this week of just Chris Baker Enterprise at this point. Um, I think he has some other guests that he'll announce. I'll let him announce it, but he's definitely lining up some good folks. He's given um, the folks that are, um, you know, subscribed to his site, just a different look outside of his normal articles. And look, you know, those guys, um, I don't know them very well, Chad and Anthony, but they're, you know, they're young, they're hungry, they're working hard. And, you know, just from that perspective, they get my respect and, 
happy to support what they're doing. So, you know, I still, you know, think it's cool when people ask me to kind of come on and talk just like you do. I, I, I'm always appreciative of that. So, you know, that's kind of how I'm approaching this. Um, they went really long with Joe. I think they went like almost two hours. I don't know if we're going to do a full two hours. I mean, who, I don't know if they, people want to talk about prospects. I'll probably put them to sleep after about 45 minutes. But um, <laughs> yeah, for anyone over there, I mean, you know, he archives them. So if you're not able to, because uh, I'm doing that right tonight live, but, um, you know, definitely check them out. You know, I've, um, I'm a, I like sports analytics. I use it in golf all the time. Um, coming around on it with hockey and those guys are really smart and they just have a fresh look. And I always say, I encourage folks, you know, to embrace the unique parts of the internet. And I think they kind of fall into that bucket. Yeah, for sure, man. They're really hard workers and they started their own thing. They're working really hard and I, their Patreon is not expensive either. It's only like five bucks or something like that. Totally worth the money. Joe's yeah. uh, on this podcast a lot. I get you on all the time. We don't talk so much about analytics and stuff like that. I know you know that, and that's your area of expertise. Obviously, sabers and prospects. But when I get you on, at least sometimes anyway, it's kind of like to shoot the shit, like today, for an example, and just talk about music and movies and all kinds of silly shit. But I'm going to let you go, man. But as always, dude, you know you're one of my favorites. I love having you on the podcast. So as always, bro, thanks for coming on. Thanks for uh, being part of the podcast. As always, Patrick, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for another episode. Very big thank you one more time. My buddy Chris Baker, Sabres Prospects on Twitter. One of my favorite people out there. Again, don't pitch an old Chris into just being a hockey guy. He's so much more than that. Thank you very much, Chris. Guys, girls, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go and do that right now. Rate and review, all that fun stuff. Like I said, it takes a couple seconds to do and giving the show a rating and a review really helps me continue to grow this podcast a lot. We're available, of course, on all the major podcasting platforms out there. Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn, all of them. So you can find us wherever you want. Check us out on YouTube as well. Talk about Flow Podcast YouTube channel. Been slacking there a little bit. Not going to lie to you. Of late, going to step that up soon. But anyway... Some highlight clips from current and past episodes are up there. Coming soon. And I keep saying it, but I mean it. Coming soon, I'm going to have some original content that you'll only find on the YouTube channel nowhere else. Not even the podcast. So go check that out. Then, of course, last but not least, follow me on Twitter. At Pamoran Tweets. I'm always on the Twitter machine. Love Twitter. Know a lot of people hate it. I love it. So if you want to find me, look me up there. At Pamoran Tweets. Thank you so much for listening. Have to end the podcast the exact same way every time because it's that important to me. I know how many great shows there are out there now more than ever. And when I can get you to lock in on this one for 30, 45, 60 minutes, however long, I don't take that lately. I don't. So I'm very appreciative, very humble, very grateful to all of you. So thank you very much. Have a good day safe week. And one last thing too, if you're in New York state, I know it sucks. Everything that's going on. Andrew Cuomo's locking everything down again. Let's do your part. Wear a mask, do what you got to do. And hopefully we'll start to climb out of this disaster that we're all stuck in here sooner than later. So stay safe. Thank you very much. Brand new show coming up next Tuesday.